and welcome back to Lead, Travel, Pray. My name is Sandy Schneider, and once again today, I am joined by my friends and co-hosts, Michelle Strike and Rebecca Ellis. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hello. Today's topic is money. Money, it's a funny thing. It's one of the top considerations when people consider job offers and staying in jobs. Society has perpetuated this idea of keeping up with the Joneses mentality. And if given the opportunity, most people would say that they want more money. There are lots of schemes out there about how to get rich fast, and they do garner a lot of attention. So in short, we put a high value on money, yet... Only a minority of Americans report that they're satisfied with their current financial position. The amount of personal debt is on a steady increase for Americans, and money is one of the top reasons for divorce. The reality is we need some amount of money in our lives, but it certainly can cause us lots of problems. In today's spiritually focused episode, we'll unpack this complicated and somewhat taboo topic of money and consider how our view of money lines up with our faith. Considering that the Bible mentions money or possessions hundreds of times, it's clearly a topic that should draw our attention. Ladies, are you ready for this conversation? As ready as we can be to talk about money. (laughs) Bring it on. Bring it on. Right? Right? So let's start just generally. How often do you consider your faith in terms of how you manage your money? And in what situations does that come up? Yeah, so when I think about how I manage money, there's lots of aspects to that. Probably the two where faith comes in more than not is around investing and giving. Um, I certainly pay attention to things in my portfolio and make sure that they're aligned with, you know, philosophically things that I'm aligned with. And yet most of the time I buy like things that are um, grouped, right? Like funds and not specific individual stocks. So that I I wouldn't say I'm as diligent at digging at that as, as I probably could be, but that's a consideration that I give. Um, The second is around giving, and um, we're going to talk, I think, in a bit about more church-specific giving, um, tithing, etc., but when I think about um, being approached to give to separate funds, fundraisers, etc., I do have a bias for those that are tied to faith. I have have three alma maters, as an example. Two of the three have faith-based affiliation, and so I direct more money to those than than the third, as an example. Uh, Michelle, I know you've got lots of thoughts on this, too. I'd like to send it to you next to build on that. Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. So um, I don't really get that caught up in money. I um, really try to not spend that much of my time thinking about it. And the reason that I try to do that is because I really see it as God will provide for me because there have been times where I have had to rely upon that provision. And so if I spend a lot of time focusing on, am I going to be able to pay my bills or pay for this or pay for that, I can become overly reliant upon myself and um, my own provision as opposed to God's. 
And one of the key points in time where I really had to rely upon him is when I was um, on the job market after grad school. And I applied for jobs all over the country. And I really felt like God was calling me to St. Louis. And I felt like he was calling me specifically to the company that I ended up working for. The hard part about that is that it was about ten dollars to $20,000 less of a job offer than I got in places across the U.S. with a much lower cost of living. And so on paper, it made no sense to take that job. It really didn't. And I remember having a conversation with my mom before I accepted the job saying, wow, as I look at paying my basic bills, so an apartment lease, um, just my basic utilities, I am only in the black by $200 a month. That did not include my groceries, that did not include fun, paying my dry cleaning bill because I had to wear suits every day. It didn't include anything. And so I said, I'm just going to have to trust that God is going to work this out. And so I took the job, barely being able to make ends meet. And three months into working there, they did their first ever market research study and found that... um, my job level was undergraded and so they adjusted it and within three months I got a $5,000 raise and that was enough to give me um, plenty of cushion each month. Now um, was I rich? No. It just meant that I could pay my bills and not stress about it um, every single moment of the day and so that was a good lesson to me to say okay, even if it doesn't make sense on paper, there has to be a way that he's going to provide for this. And um, you you have to do things sometimes that just don't make logical sense. Michelle, thank you for sharing that story. I love it. It's absolutely the reminder that we have to have. Um, And, you know, I, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking I probably don't keep that in mind not just when I'm making big decisions, but on a daily basis, God will provide for me. And I'm so grateful that you took that opportunity because <laughs> that, we met. <laughs> <laughs> that is what brought the three of us together, that we all landed for different yep. reasons at the same organization, which led to a fantastic co-working experience and friendship that lasts a yes. lifetime. So thanks for paying attention to God's, God's will yeah, for you, Michelle. I'm glad that I did even though at the time I was like, what on earth am I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Completely understandable. So Proverbs 21.20 says that there is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it all up. In other words, how are we thinking about spending versus saving? Are we the wise man who is taking our treasures and making sure that we're keeping some or saving? Or are we the foolish man who swallows it up and spends everything? Um, this spending versus saving topic is, is certainly um, a point for all of us to consider. But Rebecca, I'm super curious as... Um, a parent, the parent in our in our group of three here. I'm curious not only on how you see spending and saving, but how you teach that principle to your kids. Well, um, if you aren't saving uh, when you have kids, you will continually be in a hole, right? Because they're expensive and unexpectedly so. Like 
uh, my daughter's car that blew an engine this week because, well, uh, you know, teenage driver. Uh, so that's what happens. Uh, we're working on a second quote, but it's it's probably going to need a full uh, replacement. So if you don't have reserves, oh, right, geez. if you aren't thoughtful about those emergency funds, then you will always find yourself in an emergency Um which is actually one reason I'm a fan of credit cards, even if you keep zero balance on them, because if you're not good about cash reserves, at least sometimes that can be your other, not smartest, but an emergency fund with less complications than I guess other emergency funds. Um, but anyway, I think it's important that you start ingraining that behavior really young. And um, when we worked actually at the same company, all three of us, uh, one of the things they gave out, if you guys remember, was this little piggy bank that was separated into thirds mm-hmm. and had a third for saving, a third for spending, and a third for giving. And um, you could create your own habits around what that was, truly thirds, you know, 75, 25s, 25s, whatever. Um, actually, that didn't add up to 100, but, you know, <laughs> I do have a degree in math. I just don't always use it. Um, so long story short, I think, you know, when kids get a piggy bank at five or four or three, whatever age, like that's when you have to start giving that um, that coaching, that training, right? Start shaping that mindset. It won't be when they're 16 or 17 getting their first paycheck because at that point they're very focused on material goods and the latest Nikes and the latest AirPods or whatever, right? Um, so I think it's a something you have to start young. And if you haven't started it young, um, it's not that it's irreversible, but I think it is harder when you get into that kind of peer and competition, um, particularly if you're in a space, an era, a climate where um, material things are so coveted, which I think we are right now at the height of maybe uh, with social media and just the glamorizing of very, I mean, like when I was a kid, you would just buy lipstick at wherever. I think I spent maybe $2 most of high school on, what was that brand? Like, uh... NYC or something. I don't know. And now it's like, you have to have the Kylie Jenner, $28 lipstick, just little things like that. The consumable goods, even back in our day, they're so different now. Um, you know, when I think about how, how has that maybe worked in my family, uh, my son is about to turn 12 and he wants to have a birthday party really bad. And he hasn't had one for a couple of years and we're about to go to middle school. And it is just kind of a closure of like an elementary chapter that I think is worth having a, a party. But I said, dude, you have more stuff and enough money and enough everything that you don't really need presents. So what do we want to do about that? And some people are doing donations. And what do you want to ask of your friends? And he's like, you know, mom, I'm really into World War II. And they fly World War II veterans to Washington, D.C. on honor flights. And so maybe I can figure out something to do with honor flight. And so we sent a little email off saying, we don't really want to ask 12-year-olds to bring money, fifth graders, 11, 12. But is there something that could be helpful, poster material or whatever, that we could collect at this birthday party that then help on honor flights? And so I think it's just helping get kids in that mindset and, and gently reminding them at times and maybe not so gently at others, like you've got enough material goods, your bank account looks better than most people. And so let's not be greedy. Let's understand how to um, give that and pay that forward. So uh, not a faith tie there necessarily with Honor Flight, but for him, it's like a passion. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a, a different way to serve. 
um, even if it's not tied yeah. religiously, right? Like there's a servant piece of that that I that I try to um, encourage and instill in my kids. Absolutely. That's a great example. And kudos to Graham for thinking about that at such an early age. It's a great birthday celebration. Um, I think it's funny is both of you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that piggy bank that we got divided into threes. Um, I certainly got one and don't remember it at (laughs) all. Uh, But what I do remember, that was a financial services organization where we worked, and it was my second corporate job out of graduate school, and in that first one, I started investing in the 401k because it seemed like a good idea, and they pushed it. And that whole free money match thing Mm -hmm. sounded like a pretty good idea. Absolutely. So started investing in a 401k. But it wasn't until I moved to that financial services organization where I forget what that chart is called, but where you see the compounding um, returns added like up. The time so value of money, I, something or like that. If a 25-year-old invests $5,000 a year, how this compounds over time and what it looks like when they're 60 versus a 40-year-old coming in and investing that same amount of money. Um, and that I remember seeing there was a whole chart mm-hmm. with numbers on it. And I remember being so impacted by that and thinking, wow, I sure am glad that I started at whatever age I was, 25 three or four or whatever, started investing in that 401k. But it was that chart when I saw it that I thought, hmm, maybe I should up that 401k contribution. And how do I think about continuing to raise that? And if I recall correctly, they rewarded us for um, in some form or fashion for increasing your contribution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, missed the piggy bank lesson, (laughs) but did take something about savings positive away from that experience. Love it. In an age where the reality is that everything gets put on a credit card, I mean, most of everything I spend hits my uh, MasterCard. And in a society where going into debt is the absolute norm, how do you reconcile your faith with any debt that's incurred? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so Sandy, I'm happy to answer this one or at least, you know, give my thoughts. For me, um, I'm in a place now where I can pay off my credit card bill every month. So that type of debt is not something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. However, my student loan debt was significant out of grad school, and it was something that I really felt like I was a slave to that debt and there were things that I wanted to do in life that I really felt like I couldn't do. Um, A type of car that I wanted to buy that I said I cannot buy that type of car as long as I'm paying off my student loans. I can't buy that type of house as long as I'm paying off my student loans. It really was the the debt that was hanging over my head more than anything else. And so I did decide pretty early on through a financial class that I took that um, all of my discretionary income was going to go toward that. And every year I increased, um, and for a while I doubled um, what I was contributing to pay off those student loans. And I'm happy to say that uh, last December I paid them off. So December a year ago I paid them off um, 12 years early and that Yay! was yeah thank you that was a significant feat 
And I also chose to do it though in moderation. So I, it was important to me that I didn't just take every single extra dollar and put it toward my student loans. I still wanted to do some travel and have fun and things like that. But I was really mindful about all the other discretionary expenses. And again, when I needed to buy a new car, okay, you can buy this car in this kind of um, financial range, but anything above and beyond that really isn't what you should be doing as you're paying off this debt. And um, so it really is about making those small and big decisions in order to pay that down. And so now I've transitioned that thinking to my house mortgage. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting that a lot of times when people talk about debt, it's almost like there's a bucket that somebody has deemed good debt. And a lot of times in that bucket, they'll throw in your your first home mortgage, they'll throw in student loans. And then there's the bad bucket debt that where maybe credit card debt um, or large purchases that you don't need, but can't afford so you put on your credit card or some other financing debt gets thrown in and I'm intrigued by that concept of good debt versus bad debt and I've got to say that I have subscribed to that because I I think that that's what Mm -hmm. society has told me is true yet debt is debt and is it really true that there's good versus bad. I I don't know. And I think about that as I I carry a mortgage for my home. And while the world might say that that's okay debt or good debt, um, I don't know. It doesn't always make me feel good. So just a thought about this concept of good versus bad. Yeah, I I think it's tough to overgeneralize. For me, it's all situational. The car before this one, I paid cash for. It was probably not any better investment than the car I have today that I carry a payment on at 0% interest. And so could Mm -hmm. I have been more thoughtful if I had um, how I could have better used that money if I'd spread it out? You know, now clearly if I had an 8% car loan, then that would be a different story. Mm -hmm. But uh, like, you know, this verse around being slave to the lender, like I'm happy for Ford to give me a 0% loan. That's awesome. I don't feel (laughs) slave to that in any way, shape or form, right? Um, And so at the same time, it is a car loan. And you're right, like if we were categories and things, probably in a blind taste test, we would mostly put that as not the best maybe way to go about it. Um, So to me, it's all situational. And I feel the same way about credit cards in general. Um, I don't mind having credit cards open with a big, um, uh, what's the word I want to say, like uh, opportunity for spend if that for me is one helpful way to have a reserve or an option if there is an emergency Um, with Um, kids that's sometimes necessary like you just don't know like cash flow is not as predictable unfortunately Um, but you don't want to plan on that that you don't want that to be your only saving (laughs) you know grace opportunity and you can be thoughtful around the interest rates on those things and frankly if I'm going to make a spend on a credit card versus a debit card there has to be a benefit points leading up to hotel room awards, like something in it for me um, to make that worth the trade-off because my intent is to pay it every month too. Um, So that's how I use the kind of the, do you borrow on, put the payment on something that's borrowed or do you just put it straight out of your um, cash flow? 
Also, when traveling, because so, I know we talk a little bit about that, just having a debit card versus a credit card, they do charge you more for down payment, like not down payments, but deposits on rental cars and rooms. There's a penalty for debit card use in those places, which is annoying, but the reality of that as well. So maybe what we're talking about is just really conscious spending. And if there's a decision about taking on some debt, that there's some real thought put into that versus mindless mm-hmm. spending, which certainly we would all agree is probably not the route to yeah. go yeah, down. Yeah, that's when you might have now, a glass or two of wine and Amazon button overuse. <laughs> <laughs> not that I know of anyone who's done that, but... Of course not. Right. Of course not. Yeah. Now, I don't think that we can have a conversation about money and faith and not throw the concept of tithing out there uh, for discussion. Now, the Old Testament has numerous mentions of tithing in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and each time referencing this concept of a tenth or a tenth of your earnings uh, should be uh, given back. What are your thoughts on that? I know that there's definitely multiple opinions about tithing. Yeah, so I actually started this of all times in life during grad school, which is um, not typical for most people. But I was going to a church at the time that had a very interesting challenge that asked the church for either 60 or 90 days. I can't remember what it was, but it was a pretty short period of time to um, commit to tithing every single week and at the end of the challenge if you weren't comfortable with how much you gave away you could go back to them and get everything back no questions asked Mm. and so they said what they really Mm. wanted us to do was try to um, keep that command from the bible and see what it was like to have that faith in god that he will provide if you do give a tenth of what you're making to the church. And of course, for me, being in grad school, that wasn't very much money but that I was giving to the church, but it, it felt like a lot philosophically. What was interesting mm-hmm. to me sure. was that I didn't feel it. Mm, I didn't. Even yeah. making very little money and needing every single thing that I had, what I found was that um, I, I wasn't committing to doing it for the long term. So for me, I was like, okay, at the end of this challenge, if I feel like I can't make ends meet, I'll stop doing it. But um, I, I truly did not miss it. So it was a very interesting way to think about it. And I've continued that ever since because it's easier for me to keep adding to it because I don't I didn't miss it before, and I don't miss it now. So if I can keep giving a little bit more over time, I honestly don't miss it. Yeah, Mm. I think it was a quote I saw, um, probably Dave Ramsey, if I'm thinking about it right, um, a while ago that said something like, if you can't live on 90% of your income, what makes you think you can live on 100% of it? Mm. Ah. And I was like... Good so question. telling, right? Um, of course, I do put a qualifier in my own mind that it's like net earnings and not what <laughs> the government thinks you actually have, but what you actually have. Um, so that's my uh-huh. own unique maybe qualifier. But um, I do think it's realistic. I think there are chapters where it has to be put on pause. I've had those um, in our lives with medical and other, you know, bills that you just, you know, have to take care of. But I do think it is fairly realistic back to that 90% versus a hundred. We could probably, yeah. we, we could, we could probably do it if push came to shove. 
I love that question. That really makes you go, hmm, mm. okay. Um, one of the things that I think people get hung up about the idea of tithing is this idea that it's 10% going to the church. And many people have had less than stellar experience with various church organizations. Um, in my mind, it's giving back to God and God's work mm-hmm. and recognizing that that the blessings he have he has given to me I should be giving on to others and for me that does look like giving to my church which I the church I belong to now I absolutely love however for those who might be saying Ugh, I don't you know I had a bad church experience or I'm not a member of a church I love um I think there are other ways to give back in God's name, and maybe it's through a nonprofit organization. Maybe it's supporting a family that you know that is in a bad situation and needs help. Caring for the poor can happen in numerous ways outside of giving directly to your church. So I I think that's just something else to consider when we might quickly write off, I'm not giving any more money to this particular Mm -hmm. church organization. I 100% agree. So we we kind of started the conversation with this idea, Michelle, you mentioned it, um, about our reliance on God and that God will take care of us. And the reality is he does take care of us. How do you keep, how do you work to keep in mind the reality that all we have are really God-given blessings? Um, so for me, I think it's important to to um, pay attention about where I spend my money and um, where I where I give it away. So I will tell you that um, I do see my money as God's money, and um, if I'm getting ready to give a charitable contribution that's above and beyond, say my weekly or monthly tithing at church, I really sit back and pray about what's this amount that you would like me to give in this, to this particular organization or this person. And I will tell you that I have been I'm quite uncomfortable at times at the amount that God has put on my heart to give. And I'm like, okay, let me confirm that. But if that's what you're going to ask me to give, then that's what you're going to ask me to give. And I have been willing to do that. Um, But what I would say is that I also see that as each time I go to give toward that organization, I reevaluate for right now, what does he need me to give, knowing he knows what's coming up in my world. I don't. So he knows how much money of that 100% I will need to live off of. And he knows what other people need that I may be able to give them that they don't have, right? So I see it as we all have this pot of money that we're all in this together. So if in a given year I don't need it as much as Rebecca needs it, then I'll give it to Rebecca because there can be a time where then I need it in return. And so maybe I'm giving less the following year Mm. and then somebody else is giving more in my place. And so I take it as a point in time. I'm going to pray about what's that amount right now. And I've also um, kind of thought about this in the past of even giving to 
Um, instead of a charity, to your point, Sandy, of people in need, I have a friend had a friend who had an unexpected kind of emergency fund, and she had already spent her emergency fund the previous month because an appliance went out, and then the next month another appliance went out, and she said, "I just can't afford this." And I said, "You know, normally I give this money to a charity at the end of the year, so instead I will give it to you." And so I took that same amount and Mm -hmm. just gave it to her and felt really good about giving that to someone that I knew and said, this is a gift and I don't want to see it back and um, I hope it helps. And so that, that to me feels like God's blessings. He's given this to me. It's, it's mine and his to decide what I do with it. It's not just my decision to decide what I do with it. Absolutely. And what I heard you say, Michelle, is that prayer is a big part of how you make financial decisions Mm -hmm. and how you think about where your money goes. Um, That is something that I know in my life happens when there's a big decision to be made. Am I buying a house? Am I buying a car where lots of money is being expended? But I'm not sure that I'm prayerfully considering where other expenditures go, which is is certainly an opportunity for me. So thank you for sharing that faith. Um, for me, I think keeping keeping God's blessings top of mind is closely connected with my gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. So when you take the time every day to walk through the things that are in your life that you know are graces from God and show gratitude for that, it helps keep that top of mind. Um, And as I was thinking about prayer and gratitude journaling, um, it leads me back to um, our Spiritual Disciplines podcast that Mm -hmm. we did um, maybe last year. Uh, So just a plug for that. If any of Mm -hmm. our listeners are thinking about, gosh, I'm really looking for ways to keep God's blessings top of mind. Uh, We did do a Spiritual Disciplines podcast. I believe it was last year. So check that out on our website if you haven't checked it out yet. So as we sort of round out today's episode, just a quick question um, to see if there are any resources you all would recommend to our listeners uh, as we all work to better manage our money in alignment with our faith. Yeah, so um, Sandy, I know that you're taking it right now, but I took, I don't know, a long time ago, seven years ago or so, I took Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class, and I think it was really helpful in um, thinking about how to um, spend money and just really philosophically think about it. I actually know a lot of couples who take that either while they're engaged or right after they get married, because even if you are responsible with money, it's different to go through it. I've been told, I don't know from firsthand experience, but it's different <laughs> when you're trying to figure out, okay, what is our philosophy as a couple and how do we do this? And yeah. so I think that that's been helpful for them. I also, for years, my um, former boss told me about mint.com. And so Mm -hmm. I've used that for many years as a budgeting tool, and it's something where all of my money can be seen in that one location so that I get a feel for Mm -hmm. how much I'm spending every month, and then annually I can see the big buckets. And I will tell you that there have been times I'm like, oh my gosh, I just spent way too much the first six months of this year on restaurants and eating out. And so I really have to be more mindful about that and Mm -hmm. really reconsider what that looks like the last six months of 
of the year. And so it's a, a great, it's a free tool. Um, so that's been helpful for me. And then the last one that I would recommend is a book that um, a pastor at my church, as well as pastors from a few other churches have written called Advent Conspiracy. And it's specifically on how to be mindful about spending money around the holidays during Advent time Mm -hmm. and to um, spend less and put more effort toward experiences. And that's where you make Uh, memories and really get into the spirit of Christmas and um, stop some of the commercialism. And so that book gives like tons of ideas and tactics around it that are specific to that time of the year. Awesome. I have one just if you want to start small and our regular Amazon abuser, I mean user, um, (laughs) (laughs) they have the thing called Smile, Amazon Smile. And like mine's attached to a charity, right? And so if there is a charity that, um, right, that you want to at least start very small steps um, toward giving toward, doesn't necessarily impact your pocket as much as Amazon's, but um, that is one. Again, it's, it's actually not even a small step it's just like a teeny tiny little nudge forward Mm -hmm. like your big toe putting your big toe out there so i encourage anyone to do that an easy way to give to charitable organizations absolutely through your amazon shopping that you're probably already doing (laughs) thank you ladies for sharing with us today in sharing openly about a topic that we often shy away from It's taboo oftentimes to talk about money, but you guys hung in there today. Thank you so much. We hope that our listeners have enjoyed today's podcast. And if so, please let us know. You can give us a rating or send us individual feedback. Regardless, we'd love to hear from you. To learn more about us, our past episodes, or to communicate with us, check out our website at leadtravelpray.com.